Hi everybody, this is Chris Coffey from West 40, and you're listening to Shift Everything, the podcast that challenges the status quo in education. Join us as we explore what's happening in the classroom and the changes that are making the impossible possible. I'm so excited about today's episode because we get to have a conversation with someone who has a wonderful way of storytelling and describing ways to handle situations that can truly open eyes. Someone whom you can tell moments after meeting is devoted to helping students, teachers, and families. Damien LaPointe is a professional learning specialist at West 40. He's dedicated to educating the whole child. That means focusing on the emotional and social health of kids to enhance their academic and emotional capacity. Damien works closely with schools to implement trauma-informed practices and restorative practices. Damien, it's great to have you here. And Can I just start by asking you to describe your story? Because the first time I met you, it was interesting hearing about your journey and how you became an educator and how you focus on providing a type of support for children and teachers that truly makes a difference. Chris, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm um, super excited to be here today uh, to talk about um, my passion uh, and and the work we do uh, here at West 40. Um, so what I can share with you in, in thinking about um, how I first came to this work, um, growing up in inner city Chicago, um, I realized very early on that school systems were providing lots for me that in many ways I wasn't receiving at home. My sister and I were both born to a teenage mother um, in a housing project called the Withrope Homes on Clybourne and Diversity. Literally, Chris, it's on my birth certificate, the address, because the midwife had come out to deliver uh, me in our location. That time in 1971, uh, midwives, uh, they didn't, and if you were on uh, public aid, you weren't sent to the hospital, but rather the midwives were sent to meet you. As I think about the social and economic mobility that was provided for me and the ways that I was able to um, grow in our society, all of that was made possible by public education. And so um, I've spent the last 28 years repaying the debt uh, that public school has granted me. Just having um, sort of this lived experience, um, having my own adverse childhood experiences and having um, those navigated uh, with the help of caring teachers and school systems and administrators. Um, That connection set the path work for me to later go on to college um, and do the work uh, that I fell in love with. Did you have a light bulb moment? where you were thinking, I have to get involved with teaching somehow? Um, I went to visit, so uh, my wife and I, uh, my high school sweetheart of 32 years, uh, as um, teenagers, uh, we went out to Arizona State uh, together. Um, I, I knew I wanted to heal and help people. I, I had thought of chiropractic work. Uh, my wife was um, in student teaching. So she said, honey, could you come visit my classroom. It was a classroom, um, before No Child Left Behind in 2004, there was no metric to judge how students labeled special education were performing. 
they were literally left off of all of the metrics to judge a school and their performance. That meant that um, kids had experiences in basement classrooms with leaky pipes, in trailers outside the classroom, and I had happened to visit my wife's classroom in a trailer that was located outside the building. It was for students with social-emotional behavior disorders. Uh, I was there for an experience where they had to clear the trailer uh, to navigate with the health of one child. And the young man was throwing chairs, desks, everything. He was completely dysregulated. Um, he was a child uh, raised in the foster care system, multiple homes, lots of reasons for the underlying behaviors. And I saw a teacher whisper him to calm. It wasn't through fear or anger or threats. It was through genuine caring connection and understanding that I saw that child regulate his behavior. And in that moment, they were literally what I didn't learn, uh, didn't know at the time came to understand. They were co-regulating. That teacher had taught that child in that moment to regulate himself. Those are learned behaviors that are given from primary caregivers. So when our children are losing it in our classrooms, they learned it somewhere. Well, just like they can learn how to read and write, we can teach them how to navigate these emotional behaviors. So what you just described leads to my next question. You know, what is the old way that authority figures, teachers, parents are used to when it comes to helping kids get back on track after behavior issues or attendance issues? As opposed to what you just described, this you, you were seeing a teacher help a student a different way. And that kind of leads into, um, uh, is that the right way? Does it have benefits the way you saw? I can sort of fast forward a little bit into some legislation and, and talk us a little backwards from it. Today, um, we have a bill in place called Senate Bill 100. It prohibits us as schools from... Um, expelling uh, or long-term suspensions of a child um, for reasons that they may have been suspended or expelled for in the past. What we are concerned with is drugs, um, selling, weapons, violence. Those three things we have to um, make some other choices. But when a child is dysregulated in a classroom, it may look like, I don't want to do your work. Um, or you can't talk to me that way. It may look like a, a really scary, disruptive experience between two kids who can't get along in a classroom um, because they've never been taught how to navigate their behaviors. And so the new way of doing business is about trying to find the underlining cause, the antecedent of the behavior, and then ways we can shape and change that behavior so that students can learn from the experience while they're still under our care um, and under our counsel. When they leave our school systems, the choices they make impact not only their lives, uh, but the lives of every member of our community. When I think about the impact of mass incarcerations, Chris, we have more prisoners than farmers, and we have more prisons than Walmarts. And I don't know about you, but I saw three on my drive in here this morning. That scares me. And so 
we have to find a new way and I believe restorative practices lends us to that new way. Our teachers these days, 2022, do they know what restorative practices is? Um, is it taught to them, a 21-year-old college kid who's wanting to become a teacher? Are they learning about this? Or is this something that they have to learn once they're in the teaching workforce? So, Chris, one of... I would, the simple answer is, I don't think so. Um, what I know is that it is incumbent on our school districts to fill in the missing gaps that our teachers don't get in the typical training program. Our teachers are not coming into our spaces with training to recognize that they're really frontline mental health care workers in many cases. Many people got into the work to teach algebra, to teach reading. And somewhere along the line, our systems should have trained them and prepared for the mental health crisis that they're going to see and experience in the classroom. And the toll, it'll eventually, um, if not taught, uh, mitigated, and cared for, uh, take a toll on them. So Damien, when you go to schools when you go meet teachers and superintendents uh, to give them coaching sessions on restorative practices, and you might enter a classroom and you might see kids for the first time. Um, how do you approach that classroom of kids? How do you make them feel at ease? How do you more or less get people to trust you? Chris, I, I honestly believe that um, joy and happiness can be contagious. Um, that feeling seen and acknowledged starts immediately to build a sense of community and break down walls. A smile uh, can go a long way in and genuinely asking a child what they're doing or what they're into. Uh, I was in a building yesterday doing a co-taught training and I happened to do one of the best parts was run past a hallway of kids. Uh, and they were all at their lockers packing up for the end of the day. Um, some of them were at the top, some of them were at the bottom. And I walked up and they looked at me and I said, what's better, the top locker or the bottom locker? It was simply a way for me to engage in a conversation about their preferences and who they were. Um, and right away, uh, actually, uh, it, we started, the kids started asking me questions after that. And so it opened up a dialogue. How tall are you? 6'3". Wait a second, we had all guessed 6'4". So it was really a fun way to connect with the kids. But I think an inviting smile, asking them questions about them, right? They write whole books on leveraging cultural capital and what that means. It means finding out what makes a kid tick and leveraging that for their growth. That sounds like easy advice that any teacher or parent could follow. It just seems like it. We uh, talk all the time about ways for um, kids to feel connected and to share authentically of who they are. One of the reasons that I really love restorative practices, Chris, is the base work of it or the framework of it is about um, connecting. 80% of a restorative practice continuum is actually about connecting kids to their community and the community to the kid. Um, 
the 20% when we talk about uh, restorative justice, about healing um, when there has been a wrong, uh, we see that doing the 80% um, positive relationship building decreases our need for that tier three intervention, if you will. Why do you keep doing this, Damien? Um, you seem like you have this passion for helping. This is not easy work. Not everyone can do it, but we have people like you that know how to do it. So what keeps you going? I think meeting the teachers every day that I work with and the administrators every day that I work with that keep their why as the foundation of what they're doing every day. And I welcome um, staff in presentations I do to explore and re-examine their why. Um, this profession, as you said, Chris, it's hard. Uh, it, it actually has um, the only uh, profession that uh, claims higher stress levels as air traffic controllers. When we think about the stress um, and, and the trauma that comes into your classroom spaces on a daily basis, um, I take a lot of pride in helping young teachers navigate that new space, connecting with their wise and still making sure uh, they're there the next day to support the kids and uh, healthy happy ways. Uh, administrative teams understanding that um, at the top of the pyramid, these are folks that are holding up our base. Um, there's no venting down for them, uh, and they're handling not only student trauma, but staff trauma. Uh, we recognize that 600,000 teachers left the profession last year, Chris. Um, and the ones that didn't leave probably because they had a love for the students and a great administrator who was rooting them on along the way. So these are folks that also need care, support, and guidance with the process. And it seems to me at the, at the very ground level, just to have the basic understanding of restorative practices, you need to be able to listen and you need to be able to understand. Is that right? You have to seek to want to be, uh, to understand before being understood. Um, I think there is a part of really authentically connecting with what makes other people around you tick and what their experiences are that help you build uh, an empathetic framework um, and an ability to connect with the people around you. For our educators and even for our parents out there who may be listening to this episode who are um, really wanting to learn more, uh, what advice would you give them uh, to to understand more about restorative practices and how they could utilize this in their classrooms and in their homes. So at West 40, we actually um, go out to districts uh, and do training uh, for staff in a three-part component. Uh, we talk about trauma-informed practices. Um, we do a presentation on that. So understanding the basic dynamics behind um, how adverse childhood experiences are going to show up in classroom spaces, tools to navigate that. Um, we also do another um, workshop for staff and administrators on compassion fatigue. Um, and so warning signs, ways to mitigate, um, and even uh, understand if you are navigating uh, stress and life experiences healthy in a healthy way for you. Um, and I think through a combination of these workshops, um, we're helping to grow 
our administrative awareness, our staff awareness, and we are seeing it trickle down to the student level. And that's where I'm really happy, and that's why I come to work every day, Chris. Damian LaPointe, professional learning specialist at West 40, based in Hillside, Illinois. Thank you very much for joining us today on Shift Everything. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for listening to Shift Everything. We want to hear your thoughts and bold ideas and share your educational accomplishments. To join the conversation, email us at shifteverything at west40.org.